Well, I always have this kind of question about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is one of those uh, unique once-a-generation, once-a-lifetime players who played in the NBA, and he left his imprint on the game of basketball. And he was well-known for his mindset. He had a, what was called a killer instinct. When he was on the court, he knew who he was. He knew what he was all about, and that translated into dominance for many years in the NBA. And, I, and he had this reputation of a killer instinct. And I always kind of wondered... Is that killer instinct, is that just a, like, on the basketball court, I flip the switch and I'm that guy? Or is that a lifestyle, a way of understanding who I am and the way I go about my business that spreads to all domains of his life? Well, I got the answer to my story a couple years ago when I was reading a a book about Michael Jordan. And it it told a story of his rookie year. He was hanging out with his friend uh, Fred White. Whitefield or something like that, and they were about to go to dinner. And uh, Michael Jordan had just signed a big contract with Nike, stating he can't be seen in any other clothing except Nike. So uh, anyways, they were, they were about to go to dinner. It was cold out, so Michael Jordan said, hey, I didn't bring my coat. Could I borrow a coat from you? And uh, Fred's like, yeah, just go down the hallway, because they're at Fred's house. Go down the hallway, open up the closet, and you'll see uh, a closet full of coats that you can grab. So that's what Michael Jordan did. He opened up the closet, and half the closet was Nike clothes that Michael Jordan had given Fred. The other half was Puma clothes, a Nike's main rival at the time that another NBA player had given Fred. So what Michael Jordan did, he took all the Puma clothes, all the shoes, and he took them back into the living room where Fred was. Then Michael went into the kitchen, grabbed the butcher's knife, came back, and started hacking away at these clothes. And uh, Fred's just standing there, like, watching him chop up these pieces of clothing in a thousand different pieces. When Jordan was done, he picked up the clothes, took them to the trash, and came back in and said this to Fred. He said, Fred, call my agent in the morning. He'll replace everything I destroyed. But don't let me catch you in anything but Nike again. You can't ride the fence anymore. So I would say... That answered my question of the mindset of Michael Jordan. That switch was always on. He knew who he was. He knew what he was about. And that affected every single element of his life. He walked on the court with a swagger. And as we've been talking about over the last couple of years, or uh, years, a uh, couple of weeks, about the sermon series, Walk His Way. Well, to walk his way, you have to carry a certain mindset. You have to understand who you are and what you're about. And it's that mindset that'll help you walk his way more fully. Now, this creates a little bit of tension this morning because I recognize that today is Family Sunday and we got some really young kids in here under the age of 10 or 15. And that's, some, that's great. I love Family Sundays, but I struggled with this sermon because I tried Uh, I I was just struggling with, okay, how do I explain mindset in a way where I have an audience with this wide of an age gap? And uh, because I was explaining what a mindset was to my five-year-old yesterday, and he literally sat there like this. (laughs) And then once I was done, he started talking about his underwear. So (laughs) I'm like, this this is going to fail, like, connecting connecting with the younger crowd. But I also take hope that the Spirit's at work, and honestly, kids are like sponges. 
Like, the things my son says back to me, like, that I thought was a passerby comment, and he repeats it back. He's a, he's a sponge. All kids are sponges. So my hope here today is that, yes, we're going to talk about mindset. It's probably going to be a little bit higher than what some little kids are used to, but that's okay because they're sponges. My real hope is this, that I'm able to empower the parents in this room, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the, the adults in this room who care about youth and children to say, I want to have a conversation about mindset, or I want to be prepared to have a conversation and lead my child in what a mindset is. That's my hope and prayer for today, because I recognize that we are going to be talking a little, little higher than the 12-year-old, but here's the thing. Here's my side rant, okay? Uh, when you log on to the internet, you're going re- to realize that there are such things as non-biblical mindsets in the world. Did you know that there's a biblical mindset, a biblical definition for love and justice? And that's the way that we are to have that mindset as believers. We take on that biblical mindset of love and justice, and we walk that way. Well, there's non-biblical mindsets of love, justice, that kind of stuff, that it sounds really biblical, sounds really nice, but whenever you take on those mindsets, you walk on a different path. You don't even realize it. But, and I, I believe that that's kind of the struggle in the larger church. We have well-meaning people with, from both mindsets who some people are adapting and adopting these non-biblical mindsets that sound really good, but whenever they bring them into the church, it creates a clash, an argumentation, and you'll see what I mean by this. So with that, what we're going to do today, Pastor Matt, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Chris have already read the passage and preached on what we're going to preach, but I felt like whenever Pastor Chris gave me the free reign to preach anywhere in Ephesians, I felt like this was the passage that we got to talk about for Family Sunday. So if you will please rise with me, and we're going to read out of Ephesians 4, verse is 11 through 14. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will be no longer infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Amen. You guys may be seated. So what's happening here? You got verse 11. It's saying Jesus gave himself, Jesus himself gave the church these offices of leadership, these areas of leadership that are to lead the church. These are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are to lead the body of Christ. And if you're saying, I'm not an I'm not apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a pastor or teacher, where do I fit in? Well, you're in verse 12. You are his people. You are the body of Christ. And the leaders here are to equip his people. Now, that word equip is an interesting word. It means, you might think it means to, like, if you're going to go hunting, you give a gun to someone, right? It's, it's actually more of a sense of to set a right, to make things as they ought to be. And a, a word picture of this would be if you break your arm, you go to the doctor and he sets it aright, or she sets it as it ought to be. 
That's an interesting word choice. And I, I really appreciated that word choice because that Paul used. Because sometimes in the body of Christ, the body of Christ can get a little squirrely. You got, we can start pursuing things that we really shouldn't pursue. We can start loving things that we, and bringing on certain mindsets that we shouldn't really bring. So that's where the church leadership sets it aright. They set us as we ought to be. Now the question is, how should the church of Christ ought to be? Well, we see it in verse 12. It's in the definition. To equip his people for works of service. That's how we ought to be as a body. Now, a curious thought. Why does Paul pick service out of anything else? Why doesn't he say prayer? I mean, prayer is a form of service, but why doesn't he say prayer, tithes? Or what? Why does he say service? Why should the body of Christ be service? And here's what I would, what I would say. Here's what I would argue, that you are most like Christ when you are serving. You are most like Christ when you are pouring yourself out. And the reason why I say this is in Philippians 2, Paul says, he says to the uh, Philippi church, he's talking to the church body, he's saying, you are to have the same mindset as Christ. And then he goes and explains what that mindset of Christ is. He, he describes how Jesus Christ is God. Always has been God, always will be God. He is God. But what he chose to do, he chose to come into this world, take on the form of flesh. Even though he was still God, he was still 100% human. And less than that, he actually took on the form of a servant. He didn't take on the form of an earthly king. He took on the form of an earthly servant, and he served the people around him. He poured out himself in service to the people around him. He poured out himself. He poured out his entire life. For the, for, for the salvation of people. He poured himself out. So the idea here is that we recognize that Jesus had this mindset of, I am going to serve. And we are most like Christ when we recognize that we have been loved by Jesus, that he set the example before us of how we are to live our life as one who serves, as one who pours our life out for our neighbor. That's what it means to serve, to pour out our life for the benefit of others. Now, you might be saying, okay, Brandon, I'm supposed to exhaust myself. I'm supposed to serve people to the point of being tired and exhausted. What's the benefit in that? Why would I ever want to do such a thing? Well, we're going to highlight just one benefit from the text. If you look at verse uh, 13, it says that until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We're just going to pause right there. That word knowledge is epikinosos. It, it, it's a form of knowledge that means like firsthand account. It's not, I read my devotional book, so now I, have, now I know Jesus. It's a different form of knowledge. It's I served people. I poured myself out, and Jesus showed up, and now I know him differently. What I mean by that, the proof is in the pudding. We just, 15 or 15 minutes ago, we just had students on the stage saying, because I went to Harrisburg this past week and poured myself out, I've experienced Jesus differently. I know him differently now, right? That's the proof in the pudding. That's why we pour ourselves out. Now, the question becomes, what stops us? 
from pouring ourselves out? Well, if we created a list of things, we could easily come up with a thousand different things to stop us. But I want to talk about a certain mindset that stops us from serving. And I believe that this mindset is one that we need to be aware of in the church because we, personally, I see it in a lot of different places on social media and conversations. When I hear other believers giving advice to other people, I'm like, "Mm, that's not the right mindset here. What I'm talking about is the mindset of self-love, self-care, and how that affects our church. Let me give you a couple of examples before I define it. And as you're looking at these examples, keep in mind the concept that the biblical mindset is that we are to be poured out. So here's the first example. I got this from Instagram. Every time you're given a choice between disappointing someone else and disappointing yourself, your duty is to disappoint that someone else. Your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as necessary to avoid disappointing yourself. That doesn't sound very biblical, does it? (laughs) Jesus is saying, I have set the way you are to pour yourself out. What we see on social media and a lot of mentalities of people is, no, don't disappoint anyone. Make yourself happy first and foremost. Here's the second example. Sis, understand, I don't know, it's internet language. Sis, understand this. This is my favorite one, by the way. The insults, judgments, and shade people attempt to throw your way are actually projections of their own insecurities and are absolutely irrelevant to you in your own life. So what this is saying, did you know that anybody who criticizes you is just a projection? They're just taking, they, that you don't need to accept that criticism because that's not true about you. The way you love yourself, the way you uh, care for yourself, if anybody has any problems with that, they, that's not, that's just a projection. The third example here, normalize being obsessed with yourself and not caring what anyone else thinks. Over 235,000 likes on that one. Doesn't that sound like a fun person you just want to hang out with? <laughs> Someone who has normalized being obsessed with themselves? So what, this, these are ex- kind of more extreme examples of self-love. And now I want to give you guys a definition of how an operating functional definition of it. So the biblical mindset that we are to have is to be like Christ, to pour ourselves out. This mindset that we have shown is not to be poured out, but your whole goal in life is to have your cup of emotions filled up. That is your whole pursuit. That is how you relate to people. That is how you exist. You exist purely to have your cup filled up. Now, this could be problematic. Well, for several reasons, one of which, let me be clear about this, you're essentially depending on someone else to fill up your cup. What you're really doing is you're putting your emotional health in the hands of another person. Good luck with that. But let me give you a a practical reason why this is ineffective. Um, Let's say that Don, our worship leader, um, him and I, we're friends, but let's say that we're starting a friendship and we're we're getting off. We're hitting hitting it off really well. We're making each other laugh. It's going well. I'm like, wow, Don's really filling up my cup. This is great. This is amazing. And then a couple weeks go by. And this is a little known fact. I shouldn't probably be sharing this with you. But in that back room, we have a green room for the musicians. And in that room is 12 donuts, okay? 
And that's for the musicians to kind of, because they're here for four hours on Sunday morning. And that's here for them to like celebrate. And every morning I go by it, and I, you got to understand, I don't have a sweet tooth. I have 32 sweet teeth, and they need satisfied. And when I eat that much sugar, I feel really good about myself. This is like, I'm able to walk around. I'm walking on cloud nine. So I, I've never actually taken the 12 donuts. I've smelled them. I've licked them. But I've never <laughs> taken them, okay? And so anyway, let's say next Sunday morning, I show up. And uh, let's say actually this Sunday morning I show up and I eat all 12 donuts. It helps me, helps calm me down. It gets me going. It gets me excited though. And uh, Don finds out and tomorrow morning he comes and confronts me. And previously he was filling up my cup, but now he's confronting me on my behavior, on my actions. He says, Brandon, eating that many donuts is not healthy for you. And I'm actually, this isn't good for my team either. Could you not do this? And I say to him, pump the brakes, Don. You have to accept me for who I am. You need to accept me that my body, my, I have 32 sweet teeth, and this is what I need to thrive. Don, you're not accepting me for who I am, and you're not being very loving. Because my definition of love is defined as eating 12 donuts and nobody caring, right? So, Don, you're not being very loving. So, three things are going to happen at this point. Because Don has confronted me on my behavior... Three thing, one of three things are going to happen. He's either going to hold his ground and say, no, like you can't do that. That's not good for you and it's not good for my team. To which I continue to say, you're not loving me for who I am. So I will call him toxic because he's not filling up my cup. He's a toxic person, right? And I'll say, you're no longer filling my cup. You're a toxic person. Get out of my life. And I kick him out of my life and he's not allowed to come to Thanksgiving dinner anymore, right? That's option one. Option two, if Don's kind of a weaker-willed person, I will make him feel incredibly guilty and shameful for even thinking about confronting me. I want him walking on eggshells, nervous that he's not making me happy. So I will heap. How dare you say that? Don, don't you love me for who I am? You're such an unloving person, right? I'll put, and then he will, there's Don in the back. He's a, see you, Don. Hey, Don. <laughs> he, he will then go back into the rhythm of what I want him to do, which is filling up my cup. Because I got him. I got him manipulated exactly how I want him to. The third option is if I'm the weaker-willed person, then the, rea the reality is, and I believe this is the reality for most people who take on the self-love mindset, they're trying to fill up their cup and they're just incredibly needy. They're clingy. They need someone and they cling to it. And like, Don, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And Don will recognize that I have a great need in my life. And that makes me very easy to manipulate. So here's the end result. Here's the end result of self-love culture. You either call everybody toxic over a period of time and kick them all out of your life unless they're doing exactly what you want them to do. Or you manipulate them or they manipulate you. The bottom line problem is this. You are putting your emotional health and stability in the hands of other people. When you try to fill up your cup, I don't know if you've ever been disappointed in someone else before, but I have by everyone, right? And it's like, it's not the, it's not the best thing to do. So what we have before us is two different mindsets. 
One mindset is the biblical mindset where we are called to be poured out as an offering because that's exactly what Jesus did. The second mindset is this. You can either go around from person to person. Are you the right person to fill up my cup? Are you the right person to fill up my cup? And you can chase going everywhere possible, trying to find the right person and the right circumstance to give you fulfillment. That's why I love verse 14 for this analogy. It says, then we will no longer be infants when we stop adapting the way, the mindset of the world, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Now, this mindset of being poured out, I got to give disclaimers for it because there's always, anytime you state a positive statement, there's always like a hundred disclaimers. So I want to state a disclaimer to pouring yourself out. For the high school students and the middle school students who went on a trip this last weekend, they might be wondering or asking the question, well, Brandon, I literally poured myself out for a week. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm running on fumes, or I'm empty. So does that mean I just keep pouring myself out? Do I just keep doing that over and over? And this, the answer to that question is this, follow the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus did when he was on earth. He would do ministry. He would pour himself out. He would heal the sick. Uh, he would pray for people. He would preach sermons. He would be exhausted and tired. And then he would take a step back and he would connect with God the Father. He would connect with him. You would see Jesus isolating himself because he was communing with the Lord. And then he stepped forward again and poured himself out. For the students here today, who went on the mission trip and poured yourself out, my challenge for you is over the next 48 hours to take a step back. You're empty, and that's good. You're to be exhausted. Now, commune and talk to the Lord, your creator, the one who knows you. Spend time reading the scriptures. Spend time prayer in prayer. And something I do, this might be helpful, after I read and pray, I'll go find a mindless activity like shooting a basketball and for some reason, everything just kind of crystallizes for me in that moment of mindless activity. Do something like that where you are commun communing with the Lord. And then I want to hear about how you're stepping back into it, pouring yourself out, and then taking a step back. That's how we are, that's the mindset that we are to have. And then for the congregation, my challenge for you today is this, that you repent, if, if this is true for you, this idea that you've been trying to use people and use situations to fill up your cup that you've been trying to find your hope and promise in the situation and peoples, my challenge for you is to repent. And, what I, and that, that can be very difficult because you might be thinking, well, Brandon, I get it. I'm supposed to pour myself out, but it's the middle of summer and I wanted to go on vacation up north or I wanted to go hang out with my girlfriends. Can I not, can I not, not my girlfriends, like I'm talking like a female. Uh, <laughs> Can, can I not go do those things that are fun for me? Do I have to always be pouring myself out? My answer to that is this. Yes, pour yourself out, but recognize that that vacation up north is never going to give you the hope and fulfillment that you wanted to the extent that Jesus can. That hanging out with your friends on a Thursday night is never going to give you the hope and extent that Jesus can. Instead, this is the way I challenge you to operate. Take a step back. Find your hope 
your peace and fulfillment in the Lord. And then go take that vacation, not because you need it, but because you just simply enjoy it and you want to. Take a step back, find your hope and fulfillment in Christ, and then step forward and go out for a night on the town with your friends. Not because you need it, but just simply because you enjoy your friends. The same concept works for relationships. You don't enter into a relationship saying, will you fill up my cup? Will you fill up my cup? Instead, you take a step back and say, I am satisfied in the Lord. And now I'm free to go step into a romantic relationship just simply because I can enjoy the person. Or I, I'm, I'm free to step into a friendship just simply to enjoy the person. I don't need to be pulling their strings to make me satisfied. To make me satisfied. And here's, the, here's what Augustine said. He said, love God and do whatever you please. Because he knew that if you love God, if you step back, that you will step into things like vacations and relationships and you won't need to be pulling strings to fill up your cup. Instead, you'll just be able to enjoy them. And here's what you're going to find. As you are enjoying life, enjoying friendships, you're going to run into people who really get under your skin. Believe it or not, they exist, okay? And what you're going to say is like, I was enjoying my life until this person came along or this situation happened. You're going to recognize this is my moment. This is my moment, moment to pour out Christ's love onto them. And then I'm going to step back and just be with Christ. And I'm going to step forward again. And, I'm going to, and this person's still getting under my skin. They're stabbing me in the back. They're saying bad things about me. This is my moment to pour out Christ's love, to serve them. Or you might recognize my, you might be enjoying life and then all of a sudden the Lord starts calling you to say, I start feeling a burden in my heart for, to be a small group leader for kids or to, to be a, a leader in the student ministry or, or somewhere in the church. This is my burden. I feel this burden to do it that the Lord has called me to here and now in this time and place to be poured out. And what you'll find is that you're pouring yourself out not to pull strings but just simply because you enjoy doing it. Because you have your base, you have your connection with the Lord, and you're just free to step into circumstances and enjoy people and enjoy circumstances. And you're free to pour yourself out where the Lord leads you. That's the beauty of this. So that's my challenge for you guys today. To live a life without having to pull strings. To live a life without having to manipulate people or be manipulated. Instead, I challenge you to find your fulfillment in Christ and pour yourself out. Would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much um, that uh, even though I feel hypocritical with this message right now, you have grace for me to learn and continue to learn how to do this well. And Lord, you have grace for people in this room to learn how to find their foundation in you, to find their comfort in you, and to know you in ways that brings peace and fulfillment, and Lord, that you, you have given us the tools and ability to step into the world around us with no strings attached, and just looking with wise eyes open, where can I be poured out? Because I know Christ, and Christ has poured himself out for me. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.